Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. you please find with me Romans chapter 12, the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We have dedicated these Sunday morning services to our young people, sharing with you some truths that will help you to become a responsible, God-fearing adult, things that you need to know if you're going to grow and develop spiritually. There's a whole lot to be said, and I'm sure there's much more we can say, and uh, throughout our ministry, of course, with our youth ministry and special ministries that we have, we believe that we can provide for you many things that you need. But ultimately, it'll be your will that decides what will happen in your life. Ultimately, what you choose for your life is what you'll experience in life. For you see, the greatest of all gifts that God gave when He made man in the beginning was His free will agency. And when He gave him that free will agency, He gave him not only the right of choice, but also the potential to sin, to choose to do wrong, to rebel, to be disobedient. And that's something that He'll not violate. He's not going to do something that you don't want Him to do. He's not going to force you to do something that you don't want to do. The greatest force in your life is your free will agency. And what you choose to do with your life is what will be done in your life, ultimately. So you see, it's important that you understand that no matter what we provide, no matter what we say, no matter what your parents do and say, we all can influence your life for good, but ultimately, the decision is yours. Ultimately, what you choose to do with your life is what will be done with your life. And praise God, just like God said in Himself in Deuteronomy chapter 30, He says, I place before you life and death, good and evil, blessing and cursing. Choose you life that you and your seed may live and that I may bless you upon the earth in the land which I swore to give to you. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service or act of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for your holy written word. 
as an act of our will, we exercise ourselves to receive from your holy word, to be attentive and not to be distracted. We invite the ministry of your spirit to come and teach us and unveil to us the deep rich treasures of your word, that we may have spiritual understanding and discernment of the things that belong to us in the spirit. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for the anointing to proclaim the word and demonstration of the Spirit, the power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Thank you, dear Father God, for attentive ears, open hearts, receptive hearts, and open minds, as we now set ourselves as an act of our will to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as you know, we've been studying the profiles or the lives of certain Bible teenagers so that our youth can understand how to become responsible God-fearing adults. We talked about the prodigal son and how his life is a picture of failure. And if you want to be a failure and be defeated in life, all you have to do is pattern your life after his. Let him be your idol or example, and I guarantee you, you'll fail in life. Then again, we talked about Joseph, and Joseph's profile reveals to us a way we can have our dreams fulfilled and come true. And every individual should have dreams and high aspirations for his or her own life. But you see, they should be God-given and God-ordained. And if you follow the lifestyle of Joseph, you'll see how you can have your dreams fulfilled and your high aspirations fulfilled in life. Then we moved on and we've been talking about Daniel and the three Hebrew children. And we said that their lives show and prove to us beyond any shadow of a doubt that whether we're young, whether we're old, no matter what our environment is, we do not need to conform to the ways and the ideas of our peers and associates. We do not need to conform to the ideas of our spiritual leaders who are in the realm of darkness. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind and prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for our lives. So Daniel and the three Hebrew children so that we can be transformers and not conformers. We do not need to conform. Young people, you do not need to conform to the ways and the ideas of your peers and associates. Just because they're doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. How many times have you heard your parents give you this expression, if they jump off the bridge, you're going to jump off with them? I mean, you know, you hear that all the time. But it's true, isn't it? Just because they're doing it, do you have to get involved? You're an individual person. And being an individual person, you have the right to choose what you will do with your life. You have a right to choose whether or not you'll jump off that bridge, and you don't have to. So we said that a conformer is one who is governed by or ruled or controlled by outside pressures. And when these people put pressure upon you to do wrong, know that you don't have to be controlled by those outside pressures, but you can be controlled by inside powers, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And God has equipped you with some things in the realm of the Spirit that enable you to be victorious in this life. You can be a world overcomer by your faith. You can overcome the wicked one by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. You've got His blood flowing through your veins. Praise God. Then you get the word inside your heart and mouth. And you'll overcome that wicked one by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. And you'll be bold to proclaim and say and speak out. And say, I need not conform to your ways or ideas. But in Jesus' name I'm transformed and I'll not bow my knee. Glory be to God to all those outside forces and influences.
we said that uh, Daniel was one who purposed in his heart not to be defiled or corrupted by the king's meat or by the ways and the ideas of the Babylonian leaders. Another thing about Daniel was he also said that it was better for him to obey God than it was to obey man. And when man's ways and ideas violated the laws and, and the statutes of God, he says, I'll not bow my knee to that. Now, I'll cooperate with you in some areas, but I will not bow my knee to that because that violates the law of my God. And I refuse to, to conform to that. So we said that Daniel, being controlled by his inward powers and not by his outside pressures, was one, along with the three Hebrew children, who reveals to us that we can overcome these forces. Now in Romans chapter 1, or chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Bible clearly says that we are, just like they did, to present our bodies and faculty members under God, which is our reasonable service. Why? So that we can prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, and not be conformed to the ways and the ideas of the leaders of this world system. Now how are we going to do that? Mark it down, just like Daniel did in the three Hebrew children did. Number one, you've got a purpose in your heart not to be defiled. You have the purpose. Young person, this is something that you can decide only for yourself. And that you have to decide for yourself and yourself alone. That is, I will purpose in my heart. I do purpose in my heart. Just like Daniel did. Just like many others did. Not to be corrupted or defiled by the ways and the ideas of the leaders of this world system. For you see, Satan and his bunch, his cohorts, along with those who are ungodly people upon this earth, heathen people, will work together to try to influence you to their ways, to their ideas, to their way of doing things, to their thinking, so that ultimately they'll get you to bow your knee to their gods. And many have bowed their knees to the God of alcohol and the lustful spirit that's behind it. And many have bowed their knees to the God of unclean spirits. And the list goes on and on. Idolatry and all kinds of things. And they want to get a hold of you and say, well, come on in. We're all doing it. Join us. Get involved in what we're doing. It'll start out small. Just do this. Just start out small with some small thing. But then you see, it'll snowball and get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more you get involved with small things, such as, just, just, uh, let's just buy a lottery ticket and gamble. I thought that would raise an eyebrow. And then one goes from that to just bet on the football game. And it goes from that and, you get involved in a little bit more money here and a little bit more money. Before you know it, you're caught up with this wrong spirit, a lustful spirit, and the majority of your paycheck is going out paying gambling debts. See, it starts out small. It starts out small. Just just go ahead and, and join together and play that bingo game. Or meddling. But it's not me. It's the Holy Ghost. It's not in my notes at all. I have not. That's not in my notes at all. Just go ahead and start with that. And that's an open door to a spirit to come in. And when that spirit comes in, it'll dominate your life and you can't live without playing bingo. And you can't live without playing on that football game or basketball game or the baseball game. And you can't live without buying that lottery ticket. See, it starts small. Young people, it starts small. And then it builds. 
All the enemy needs is a, a little open door, a breach, and a wall of prayer. That's all. To get in and begin to cause things to happen in your life to your detriment. But if you'll say no now, if you'll exercise your right of choice and purpose in your heart not to be defiled. The Apostle Paul says, you know, all things, I can do all things, he said. But not all, all things are, are profitable for me. So I'm not going to get involved in all things. And I'd rather walk the straight and narrow. Amen. Than to compromise my principles and the laws of God. So young people, listen, it starts out small and then it builds. Never forget that. Then that spirit get a hold of your life. It starts out with one drink. It starts out with one cigarette. It starts out with one act of immorality. And then it builds. And then it builds. And before you know it, you've lost control. You are being controlled instead of controlling. Be not conformed to the ways and the ideas of this world system. Be not controlled by their influences. How? By purposing in your heart to make a decisive dedication of your body and faculty members unto God, which is your reasonable spiritual act of worship and service. Be like Daniel and say, I purpose in my heart not to be corrupted or defiled by these ways and by these ideas. I sanctify myself. I set myself apart for the plan, the purpose, and the will of God. And my body and faculty members I want filled with, full of, consumed with the things of the living God. Amen. You have to do that. You have to make your decisive dedication. Because when you're in between, you're tossed to and fro. That's why James said by the Spirit of God that the double-minded man, he's unstable in all of his ways. He does not make a decisive dedication. He does not choose. He does not establish his will. The only way God's will can be done in our lives, my brother and sister, young people, is if we establish ourselves in the will of God. God will not do that for us. We must establish ourselves in His will for ourselves. Although He sent Jesus to die for us, although Jesus did die for us, and although legally all mankind is set free, only those who have established themselves in the righteousness of God by accepting the plan of God are the ones who are justified and the ones who are free. And although all mankind is free in the sight of God legally, only those who experience it vitally are those who will make heaven their home. And so what I'm saying to you is even though you're a Christian out there, you've got all these influences warring against you, coming against you, wanting to destroy you. Remember the purpose of Satan? His purpose is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's his purpose. That's his objective in life. That's what he wants to do in all of our lives. Ultimately, he wants us to bow our knees to him, to his ways, his program, his ideas, so that ultimately we can end, spend eternity, end up spending eternity in the lake of fire with him. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not too inviting to me. Is it to you? I don't want that for my life. Do you? Then purpose in your heart. Purpose in your heart, young person, not to be defiled or corrupted by the ways and the ideas of, the, of your peers and associates or by the leaders of this world system. Can you say amen? Amen. Secondly, you've got to know in your heart that it's better to obey God than it is man. Now, let me, state, let me say it this way. You need to know in your heart that obedience to God pays richer dividends than obedience to man. It's a whole lot better. Because, you see, God has your best interest at heart. He is concerned about you in every department of your being. His Lordship is the Lordship of love 
And everything that he asks of you has your best interest at heart. It will benefit you. It will be more beneficial to you than you can imagine. Than what you think. So realize that when you decide to obey God, it doesn't mean you will be denied certain things. But obedience to God means you will gain rewards of certain things because of your act of obedience. So don't let anybody fool you. Like the devil came along and said to Eve, Now Eve hath God said, Eve hath God said, she got fooled into thinking that God was holding back on her. She got fooled into thinking that if I do this, you see, it's going to better benefit my life. She failed to realize that when God said, don't eat of it, he had her best interest at heart. He was concerned about her well-being in spirit, soul, and in body. And if she just would have recognized that his lordship was one of love, she would not have partaken of that fruit. She would have realized that the, that the voice of the enemy was a voice of deception. And that even though maybe her, her physical and emotional makeup thought that it was good for her, her well-being, that ultimately God knows all things. And his lordship is one of love. And consequently, she should have recognized that and realized that and said, well, even though my, my flesh may want to, even though my thinking right now is clouded, I'm just going to rest on the fact that, that, it, that God knows me, God loves me, God has provided good things for me. And if he said, I'll die, if I eat that, then I'll die. And I'm not concerned about what this other voice says over here. So know this, young people, to obey God is better than to obey the voice of a man. To obey the voice of God, the laws of God, the statutes of God, the ways of God, the ideas of God is far, far, far better than to obey the voice of your peers or associates. Recognize that. Realize that. And also know this. It will benefit you in the long run. Because He loves you. Because He cares about you. And has your best interest at heart. Thirdly, you have to know this. You must also know that you must be controlled by inside powers, just like Daniel, and not by outside pressures. And that God has given you all the equipment that you need to be under His control, under the sway of His Spirit, of His life, of His power, of His ability, of His strength, of His wisdom. First John 4, 4 says it all. It starts out by saying that We've overcome all devils, demons, powers of, in, of darkness and the influence of evil. We've overcome all those spirits. For greater is He. As a matter of fact, I need, to, I need to have us to turn to that. Go to 1 John because I want you to see that, young people. He's talking about not conforming to the ways and the ideas of the world system or the leaders of this world or the influence of our peers and associates. And he's talking about the fact that the God who is in us and our spirit is greater than all the powers and the forces that could influence in our lives from an outward way. Look at First John 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. 
because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hereby know, we, know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already it is it in the world. Now let's stop right there. Yes, these spirits in the atmosphere in which we breathe are influencing people to get them to speak unto people here, who are here upon this earth. Just like in the beginning when Satan got in, into the body of the serpent and began to speak to Eve. See, demon spirits are not just going to manifest themselves in this round by themselves all the time. The primary way that they do that is by influencing people to cooperate with them and then getting those people to influence other people, making them think that their way is the right way, their ideas are the right ideas, and their thoughts are the right thoughts, and then injecting those thoughts through word form into the minds of, of young people to get them to cooperate with them and also, also to fall with them. And this influence comes upon people, especially those who are around you, who do not know God, who have not been reared up in a, in a church situation, and they don't know the things of God. They have maybe loose morals because the, uh, their family members have loose morals and all that. And so there they are doing the work of the adversary, and they don't even know it. God forbid that children are, are reared up and, and raised up in such a, a situation, such an environment. But, but it happens. Well, that influence is a powerful influence. It's an influence that attempts to gain control in the minds, not only of our adults, but our young people, in particular, upon the face of this earth today. And the Bible says here that it's already in the world, and the world system is being affected by it. And we're not to listen to what they have to say. We're not to be given in to the things they would have us to do. And verse 4 tells us why. You're of God. Say it with me. I'm of God. Say it again. I'm of God. Say it with some authority in your voice. I'm of God. He says, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them. You in Christ have overcome them. If you are in Christ, you have overcome the spirit of Antichrist. You have overcome the influence of Antichrist. You have overcome all the influences, not you're trying to, not that you might be able to. If you are of God, you have overcome them. You are the overcomer. You are the victorious one. You are the one who has the God who is more than enough in you. You're God, and in Him you've overcome them and all their influences. Why? For greater, because greater is He that is where? Where? Do you see that? So often we are caught up in a looking out there and we forget about looking in here. Greater is He that is in you. Say, He's greater in me than any force, any outside force in this world system. You are greater in me than the force and influence of selfishness, sexual immorality, alcoholism, drug addiction, tobacco. You are greater in me than pride in everything represented 
in the kingdom of darkness. For I've overcome them, for I'm a God, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Praise God Almighty. You've got to know that. You've got to act like it's so. And may I say something else to you young people? You've got to be bold to tell it to your peers. I said you've got to be bold to tell it like it is. Do you want to know what's going to make the power of God active in your life? It's the confession of your faith. And when they start telling you to do this and say, do that, see, too often you're ashamed. You may say, well, I just want to get involved. But they'll still influence you. They'll still influence you. Well, the time has come that you need to say, I'm not going to do it because I'm a God and Jesus Christ is my Lord and that is sin. I will not sin against the Lord my God. I choose as an act of my will in Jesus' name to be free from that. I guarantee you, you'll give them a hit, a hit right between their eyes. A rude awakening. But you know what? I believe that the more you do it, the more you'll get to conform to your ways, ideas, and, uh, and, and ways of thinking. I said, I, I believe that the bolder the Christian gets, young person, I believe the bolder you get in your environment, in your atmosphere, where you're at, where you're associating with people, the bolder you get, the more you're going to have an influence upon their lives. As a matter of fact, if I can, now this is, this is something that, uh, well, I'm going to say, I, I know that sometimes my, my family gets a little bit, you know, when, when you use them as an example, my, but my DJ, he has this knack, and he just, BJ's just BJ. We've never taught him how to dress, we've never taught, you know, taught, BJ's just BJ, he just loves to slick his hair back. You know, he wakes up and wants to put on a suit to go to school in. Eight years old, you know. And I mean, he, on, on his own, you don't have, and as a matter of fact, he doesn't wake up in the morning to do it. Before he goes to bed at night, he gets all his clothes laid out, everything in order. He'll come and ask our opinion about, does this match that, or does that look better here? You know. But that's just, that's just being there. You don't have to, you know, force him to, to do it. And then, of course, uh, he spends a great length of time on his hair in the morning. You know. And, and all that. He just, he just loves to dress. He loves to, to look good. That's, that's just BJ. That's the way he is. And how many of you know that all, you know, most eight years old, eight year old children, they're not that way. Amen. As some of you teachers, you've seen them in the class. Well, BJ, we went to open house. His, his, uh, teacher said some things. And then some of the mothers, parents of the other children, I didn't even know. They just walked up and said, Where's BJ at? I said, well, what do you want to be? Where's B everybody? BJ's popular. I said, he is? Said they had that hunt to find BJ. Said, yeah, but he's popular because he dresses so nicely and he fixes his hair so, so nicely. It's rubbing off on all the other kids. Now, my child wants to get dressed up because BJ gets dressed up. And that whole classroom starting to get these, these young kids in there who are getting dressed up to go to school. Wanting to look good. Wanting to look nice. You know. Now, he was about the one of the only ones. I'm not talking about once, you know, when you get a picture taken or something like that. I'm talking about all the time. BJ likes to look good, you know. 
And so you see, because he was consistent and is consistent in doing that, he's rubbing off on those other kids. He's rubbing off on them. They're getting influenced by him. You know, he's not getting influenced by them. Do you see what I'm saying? you got the clean life. You're the one that looks good on the inside. And if you'll keep it that way and be consistent in it, then I guarantee you then you're going to rub off on these other kids. Now you're going to have those that are rebel all everywhere. And we understand that. That's the same thing is true with adults. But if you'll maintain that walk of holiness and maintain boldness when it comes to faith in who you are and what you have, and maintain in saying that I refuse to defile myself and be corrupted by the ways and ideas of my peers, and then you boldly proclaim these things and let them know your stand, it, it, it won't be long before you're going to have others who are going to side up with you. You're going to have others going to want to come to you for prayer in a time of need. And when they have family problems or home problems, they're going to come to you to try to get solutions to their problems. You see, we can rub off on them. Did you know that? I said we can rub off on them if we are, are bold in our faith and if we are consistent in our faith. So if you walk a walk of consistency before your peers, young people, realize and recognize eventually the Spirit of God will get a hold of them and they'll envy what you have. I mean that. They'll want what you have. Don't forget that. You can do it. I know that. Now go to First John chapter 2. We are not to be conformed to the world's system, the Bible says, nor the leaders of the darkness of this world. And in verse 14, it says, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Notice why he has written to the young men. Because you are strong. Young people, listen. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. There's something about youth and strength. You're strong. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. There's a driving force within you to maintain strength and to be strong. And He's saying, I want you to carry that over to the spiritual realm and I want you to be strong in the things of God. Be strong in spiritual things. You are strong. You're not weak, you're strong. You may have overcome to win that ball game. You may have overcome to win that wrestling match. Whatever it is, you had to overcome in order to win. Well, the same thing is true here. He's saying you are young and you are strong. You overcome the wicked one because you are strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You have the strength of God within you. Now notice the next verse, what he says. Love not the world. The word there is cosmos. In the Greek, it means the behavior, the fashion, or the, or the order of this world system. Don't fall in love with the world. You're strong, but don't fall in love with the world system. You've overcome the devil, but don't fall in love with the world system. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, and here's why, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world's going to pass away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God will abide forever. And what he's saying is this, yes, you can, you can exercise your will to get caught up into the things of the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life if you choose to. But recognize this, that those things one day eventually will all pass away. They're coming to an end. But he that does the will, he that doeth the will of the Father, he'll never pass away. He'll abide forever. That's what he wants us to know. Don't fall in love with the world. Lust of the flesh, just write it down. Galatians 5, 19-21 lists all the lusts of the flesh. And such things stated. And lust of the eyes is talking about lusting after women. The lust for evil. The lust for covetousness. For other things. The things of other people. And the pride of life is talking about a desire for position. Notoriety. Power. Riches. Beauty. The vanity of life. Vanity of life. In Psalms 24, verse 4. Matter of fact, let, let's turn to that. It won't take us long. Let's t- turn on back there. Psalms 24, verse 4. Talks about the pride of life. The vanity of life. If you want to spend your eternity with God, if you want to dwell in this holy place, then your soul cannot be given up to vanity. The pride of life. Psalms 24 is his future. It's talking about his kingdom when he comes here upon this earth and sets up his earthly kingdom. The time when the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The world. The world. Notice this. And all that dwell therein. You see, when Jesus comes back to set up his earthly kingdom here upon this earth... And when God lives with man and we reign together with him upon this earth. There's not going to be anything that's going to corrupt or defile. There's not going to be anything contrary to holiness and righteousness and truth. The earth will be the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world will undergo a change. There will be a new order. There will be a new behavior. A new system to live by. And all those influences that are existing right now, that we dwell in the midst of right now, they'll all be gone. They'll be removed. Segregated. We won't be influenced by that any longer. Verse 2. For he hath founded it upon the seas, he established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Here it is. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek your face. And he's saying in verse 4 there, you've got to have clean hands, you've got to have a pure heart and your soul. That's talking about your emotional realm. Young people, your parents tell you how beautiful you are. We all tell you how, how, how wonderful you are, what potential you have. We want to feed you the right information. We want to give you the right things. We want to give you a good environment in which to grow. 
But you cannot allow these things to go to your head in such a way that you get so caught up in the vanity of life that you become vain, filled with and full of the pride of life. That's what he's saying. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I want a position in life. I want security in life. I want notoriety in life. I want all these things for my life. These are my high ambitions and aspirations. This is what I want in life. And this is what motivates me to live. This is what I apply myself to. You can get so caught up in that area of life. See, the influence of the world is upon us. It's around us. And this is what most people want in life. But the Bible says, if you'll seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness first, then all those things will be added unto you. There's a difference between seeking those things and having those things added to you. God is saying, if you'll seek me and be motivated to seek my righteousness and my truth and to live before me with a pure heart and clean hands, then all the things that you so desire to have in life They'll be given to you or added unto you as a, as a reward or as a blessing because of your dedication and consecration to my will. But if you'll be deeply involved in seeking those things for yourself, deeply involved in pursuing your own high aspirations, establishing your own goals, doing what you want to do to make a name for yourself, to have a position in life, so that you can be somebody. Then you see you're seeking after the wrong thing. You're not letting the Lord build the house. And eventually it's going to fall. Oh, you may get some things built in your life. But remember, those things one day will come to an end. And you can't take any of those things with you. So what's he saying? Be caught up in these things in verse 4. Have clean hands, have a pure heart. Don't get caught up in the vanity of life. Humble yourself before God, seek His kingdom. Seek His ways, seek His purposes, seek His ideas. And those things that you so desire in life, they'll be added to you. If you totally dedicate and consecrate yourself to this purpose. I, I, I can't say that enough, and sometimes it's so difficult to explain it. But brothers and sisters, young people... When we first got saved, like I said, I thought everybody did it. And I mean that, I, I can say it in a, in a humble way, because I mean it from my heart. When we first got saved, the reason why we sold all, and, get, and it didn't start when we sold all to go to Tulsa. The very first thing we did, first move we make when we found out about tithing, was we sold our house. We sold our house so that we can tithe. A brand new house. Our first brand new house. A house that was never lived in. We didn't have a built, but it was already, already built. And we were in a position that we were able to buy it. And so we did. It was a brand new house. And we we're thankful to God for it. But when we got saved and I found out in God's holy word that I was to be a tither. And I found out that because of my payments with the house payment, the car payment, all those other things. I said, that settles it right there. The house goes so we can pay our tithes. And so many want to live 5, 10, 15 years uh, not paying their tithes. Thinking that someday they're going to get in a position to pay their tithes unto God. That wasn't my mentality. That wasn't my attitude. As far as I was concerned, what belongs to God belongs to God. I have no right using it to pay my mortgage with it. Did you hear that? I said, I had no right to use what belonged to God to pay my mortgage or any other of my bills. And I said, and God knew my heart. I said, Father, you sell this house for me because I want to pay my tithe to you. That's, that's what your word says. In one day, 24-hour period, that house was sold. 
so we can pay our tithes. And he found us another house and all that. I've told you this story many times before. But you see what I'm saying? From the very moment of our salvation, our whole purpose in life was to pursue what his plan was, to pursue what his will is. And if it meant selling this, then sell it. If it meant giving up this, then give it up. Whatever it means, young person, you get out there and do it. You begin to walk in that attitude toward God and you'll find out that God will move in a mighty way in your life to see to it. Are you ready for this? That you're not exalted by man's standards, but that he exalts you in the face of mankind. You're not exalted because of who you are, what you have done. He exalts you because of who he is and what he has done. He exalts you in this life. And he'll do that for you. He says, if you serve him, he'll show you his salvation. And because you know his name, he'll lift you up high. He'll exalt you. He'll honor you. Can you imagine that? Being honored by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what it'll do for you. And I can't emphasize that enough. So here it says, a new world order is coming into being. Uh, with new behavior, with a new system. And the only ones that will dwell in it will be those who have, a, who have clean hands and a pure heart and whose souls not given up to vanity. So love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. The lust of the eyes, flesh, and pride of life will all cease to be, and they'll be gone. And if you want to remain and live in His eternal kingdom, then this is the attitude we have to maintain. Now I want you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. We want to close this out with Daniel and the three Hebrew children. By showing that when you make this decision in your life to do God's will, to seek His plan, His purpose, His ideas and His ways, when you make this decision in your life, in the beginning I want you to know that you are going to cause the leaders of this world system to get so angry with you that they won't know what to do or which way to turn. And so they're going to come at you with everything that they have, all of their firepower, shooting fiery missiles and darts of temptation at you to try to get you to change your mind and to align with their will. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 14. When you make a decision, when you make a decision, not just to accept Christ as your Savior, you've done that, but when you make a decision, a decisive dedication of your body and faculty members to serve Him, to do His will, to forsake the ideas and the ways of this world system, and to walk with God. When you make that decision to have clean hands, a pure heart, not to be given up to the vanity of life, when you make that decisive dedication to pursue His will, His plan, His purpose, to get into His Word, to flow with Him in life, when you make that decisive dedication, I want you to know that you will stir up the forces of darkness and the leaders of this world system against you in such a way that fire will come your way. Fire, fiery trials and temptations will come your way in effort to get you to change your mind once again. I've had people say, you know, everything was okay till I started coming to Christian assembly and I heard the word of God. And when I heard the word of God, all of a sudden, all kind of things broke loose. Yeah, all hell broke, broke loose is what it was. All the powers of darkness, all the forces of hell, all the demoniacal forces were assigned to your life. Because Satan does not want you making that dedication. 
And the moment you say no to drugs and no to alcohol, no to sex and all these other things, I want you to know that those forces of darkness will get so furious and infuriated at you that they'll send all that they possibly can afford to send assigned to your life to get you to change your mind. And I want you to understand that and be aware of that. I want you to see it here. Daniel chapter 3, verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that, that do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? That's their ultimate aim right there. Wanted to get them, first of all, just to, to learn their ways and ideas and language and all that, didn't they? But ultimately, you can see here, it was finally to get them to bow their knee to their gods and worship their gods. And now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you mean to tell me you purpose in your heart not to do what I said to you, and I'm the king, I am Lord over you, and if you don't do it, I will put you to death, and you won't do it? Now, if you'd be ready yet, what time you hear the sound of the, the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, solary dulcimer, and all the kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same out of the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? He is saying, I am the God of this world. He has said, I'm the ruler over your life. And if you make a decision in your life to go against what I say, I'll show you. I'm going to put you in a burning, fiery furnace to determine whether or not you'll obey or disobey. And here it is, right here. I'll tempt you. Young person, mark it down. If it means you have to face death for your faith, then face it. We know nothing about this in this country. You realize that? I said we know nothing about this in this country. Those martyrs, even of today, who are in lands where they're put to death for their faith, will stand in the face of death and say, I refuse to deny Jesus Christ. Kill me if you like. Do whatever you want with my body. I don't fear you. I fear God. And that's exactly the attitude of these young boys. We'll not bow our knee. When you make that decision, they'll get mad. Look at the next part. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Because they purpose in their heart not to defile themselves, because they knew their God, and knew that it was better to obey God than man. Do you see this? And also, because they were able to be controlled by inside powers, not outside pressures. They said, we're not even careful to answer you, O king, in this matter. You want to throw us into the furnace? Listen. If it be so, our God that we serve is well able to deliver us. You asked, I'm telling you. From the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, you don't throw us into the furnace? Be known unto thee, O king, that will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now I want you to note this, that that is really taking a stand, isn't it? Young people, you've never been in a position like that. No, if you, if you don't bow your knee to their gods, to their alcohol, they'll laugh at you maybe. But they're not going to kill you. No, if you don't try that pot or that marijuana or whatever if, if, if you don't try that they may laugh at you and call you different but they're not going to throw you into a burning fire furnace 
No, if you're still a virgin, and my goodness, you're going on 15 years old, oh, they may laugh at you, but they're not going to throw you into a furnace. Because you didn't bow your knee. But you see, he's saying to them, you boys don't bow your knees to what I said. You're dead. See, we don't face that in this country. And you know what? That's what makes it so difficult. Because when you're back to a wall, then you're going to find out what stuff you're made up of on the inside. They said, oh, king, you may be king in this realm. And we may be here under your authority right now. But we recognize as a greater king that we serve. And the God that we serve is able, and the God that we serve will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Look at the next verse. Verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. I said that when you make a decisive dedication and you purpose in your heart, you'll not be defiled by the ways and the ideas of this world system or your peers and associates, that the devil will get hot. And if you persist in resisting his temptation, he'll turn up the fiery furnace of temptation even ten times greater in your life to get you to bow your knee and to give in. Young person, you're not going to escape it whenever you make a dedication and a decision that you're not going to give in. Elderly person, if you've been Lord for many years, it doesn't matter. It's the same. The devil came to Jesus, tempted him, same thing. Whenever you say no, he'll turn up the fire of temptation and trial in your life ten times greater. To see to it that the pressure, that outside pressure, you talk about outside pressure, they're facing a fiery furnace. Now they're facing a furnace where the fire is not only on the inside, but it's on the outside. They're facing all that. The pressure's put on. All we want you boys to do is bow your knee. It's a simple thing. It's an act of worship, only not to your God, to these other gods. Worship your God, but worship these gods too. Do you see that? Yes, yeah, serve your God, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But look at giving all this other stuff too. I mean, what's wrong with the God of self? What's wrong with the God of sex? What's wrong with the God of alcohol? What's wrong with the God of rebellion and all that stuff? Selfishness. What's wrong with all that? They said, no, we refuse to do it. We won't bow our knee. You may be the king. You want to kill us? Try to kill us. The God that we serve is able, and the God that we serve will deliver us out of your hand. And they turned up the, the fire in that furnace ten times greater. But I want you to note this scripture in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. I don't have to turn to it. Listen to this. When your ways and ideas, are you ready for this? Please, God. He'll make even your enemies, even your enemies, to be at peace with you. And I want you to see the scripture. And look at the verse 28, uh, verse 27. After God delivered them. Mark that scripture now, Proverbs 16, 7. That when your ways and ideas, when your ways please the Lord. That he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. They chose not to give in to the ways and ideas of these leaders of Babylon. They chose to give in and give themselves to serve the living God and live by His ways and ideas. Their decision brought them to the point of death 
and the fiery trial was turned up ten times hotter. And there they were in the face of all that, popular in nobody's eyes in that realm, except one another and God. They were back to a wall. But they said, no, we refuse to give in. Oh, people of God, is this a message to our hearts today? They refuse to give in. Look at the next verse, verse 27. And the princes, the governors, the captains, and the kings, and the counselors being gathered together. This was no small thing. You understand this? We're talking about people of high position and authority. Princes, governors, captains, kings, counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. When you make that dedication, the fire of temptation will have no power over your life. Because you're not being controlled by outside forces. You're being controlled by inside powers and abilities that are far superior to those powers out there. For greater is he that's where? In us than he that is in the world. And the princes, who's the prince of this world? Who's the prince of this world? System, order, right now. It's the devil and his bunch. But I want you to know that those princes with all his counselors, with all his demon spirits and all of his courts and, and all those powers in darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places and all them, they'll look at your life and say, the fire of my temptation has no power over that person's life. That's what it's mean. That's what it means when you spiritualize it. Look what it says. They saw whose bodies the fire had no power. Why? Because their bodies were dedicated to God. Nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then, everybody say then. Notice it's then, not before. This is how God works. Sometimes you kind of wonder why, but this is how God works because He's a God of faith who demands faith of His children. He didn't deliver them before it. He delivered them after. They went all the way into that furnace. Then, after their deliverance, then God said, when your ways and ideas suit me and please me, I'll make your enemies to be at peace with you. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, then he said, blessed be the God of Shadrach. Notice, notice, they didn't conform to the language of the Babylonian leaders. They got the Babylonian leaders to conform to their language and they began to bless their God. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. The king was conforming to their ways. They're called the transformers. Praise God. And they began to conform to their ways. Just like you'll get some of your peers to conform to your ways. To speak your language. To think the thoughts that are in your mind and in your heart. The ideas of your God. Because they'll see the power that you have with your God. Change the king's word. And yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God. Yielded their bodies that they would not serve any other God. What is our spiritual worship and service of God? To present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, even if it means unto death. Not to serve any other God. A decisive dedication of our mind and body and faculty members to serve the living God. Not to give in to their ways and ideas. That's what they did. Not to conform to their their system except their own God except their own God therefore make I a decree he made a decree prohibiting anybody speaking anything evil against the Lord God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego 
Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which shall speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in, in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Now you want to see how to get promoted in this system in which we're living? Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God says, I'll give you favor with me and favor in the sight of men. Now, let's, let's conclude this. We've got just a few moments to conclude this. I want you to turn with me. Daniel says the same testimony. I don't have time to get into it. But look at, look at Philippians, please, chapter 2, or chapter 1. Philippians, chapter 1. Daniel refused to bow his knee and to conform to the decree of Darius, who said that he was to, to not to worship his God. Philippians chapter 1. And when put to the test, the decree was signed. You know, some of those leaders coerced him into this, signing this decree. He signed the decree, even though he liked Daniel. But Darius signed the decree. And said, you cannot worship any other God for a space, a period of time. And Daniel opened up his window. I like his style. Kept his window wide open. Got on his knees. Worshipped his God. Glorified him three times a day like he did, even though he knew the decree was signed. He said, I'm not going to conform to their ways. I'm not going to stop worshiping, worshiping my God because of what they said. Because of what they want. And he worshipped his God. The leaders went back, told Darius, said, look at, look at what he did. He's got to die now. I've got to throw him in the den of lions. This decree cannot be broken. Your word cannot be broken. It's sealed. With your signet, it's just sealed and signed. It cannot be broken. Daniel did not bow his knee, was thrown in. And although he was thrown into the, into the den of lions, the Bible says the angel of the Lord delivered him. Why? Because he would not give his body over unto worshiping any other god. He refused to do that. And the Bible says that Daniel, after his deliverance, was promoted also. And those men who attempted or tried to get him to bow his knee, they were cast into the lions then, and they were all destroyed by the lions. Well, you know what? Every devil, every demon, every leader in the realm of darkness who's trying to get us to bow our knees and to serve them, they have their their day coming when they will be cast not into a den of lions but they'll be cast into an eternal lake of fire and they'll never 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 be able to influence you or me again in this in, in life Philippians chapter 1 young person get a hold of these scriptures in verse 27 and in verse 28 only let your lifestyle be as becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified by your adversaries and in nothing terrified by your adversaries don't be afraid of your peers don't be afraid of your associates don't be afraid of the influence or the force of darkness that's behind them don't be afraid of the devil don't be afraid of demon spirits don't be afraid of all the cohorts of darkness Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. 
But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.